following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your mercy, your love and grace. Thank you for your pursuit of our lives and our hearts. Oh, that we would love you with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul. Oh, that we uh, would dwell with you as you have purposed and, uh, and, and accomplished your dwelling work with us. Uh, Lord, that, uh, that you would allow these words uh, to lift off the page and be written on our hearts to transform our, our thinking, uh, our living, our loving. Uh, Lord, that uh, you would open our minds to a further work of just the, the majesty, the mystery of the cross and uh, what it is you've done for us in Christ. Uh, Lord, we're so grateful, so thankful. Uh, Father, I pray that you would be with those that continue to grieve the loss of loved ones. I pray that your comfort would be felt, that we would be your hands and feet. I pray that you would be with, uh, with Ellie's mama Hope and grandmother Stacy and that you would continue to minister to their hearts and to each one that continues to feel the, the, the loss and grief of loved ones. Father, we thank you that you have made provision in Christ, that Lord Jesus, because you live, so do we, uh, that your promises bring such hope and comfort and confidence in these moments. Uh, I pray that you administer to the pain and, and, uh, and the hurt, uh, emotional, physical, that is in our midst, Lord, that you would help us to be light in the midst of darkness, that we would truly shine for your glory and uh, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord God, that you would speak and that we would have hearts that, that long to listen to your word and, uh, and let it penetrate our opinions and our ideas and our imaginations and go forth in power as we live your love and your truth before those around us. Uh, strengthen us for that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to talk about baptism this morning. Um, uh, excited. Uh, the, the scriptures has a lot to say. Uh, Paul often speaks about baptism in retrospect, uh, speaking of his baptism uh, that we see in Acts chapter 9 in Damascus after he came to know and trust and realize that Christ is his Messiah, uh, the hope of nations, um, the Savior of the world. Like, um, and, and, and here's my conviction my conviction is, is that we would um, see uh, baptism as one of the most glorious celebrations on the planet, right? I mean, um, really, because it points to um, the fact that God in Christ came to rescue us to, through death, defeat death, and demonstrate God's, the Father's love for us, and uh, and really to, to break the chains of sin and selfishness in our life. And, and we're the ones that, because he was willing to die a sinner's death. Like, I believe that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I believe that because Jesus, I mean, he was sinless, innocent. Like, and, and look, he, he didn't have to do it. He, he raced, the scriptures are so clear in so many different moments. He raced to that moment for the joy set before him, we're told in Hebrews 12. 
knowing that it meant yours and my rescue. And that it would, it would demonstrate that, you know, it says in, in Romans 5, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For what purpose? To demonstrate the Father's love for us. And so, like, the amazing thing about baptism is, is that we're the ones that deserved to die for the, for the choices that we made. And yet, God in Christ dies in our place and he becomes the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the, the sacrifice for sin. He even refers to, in, in Mark 10, he refers to his baptism or, or the cross and, and his resurrection, all that he had told them that he would go through. He refers to it as his baptism. And, uh, and now, because, because he lives, because he walked through um, that painful and horrific moment, um, we, can, we can celebrate baptism in a, in a living way. And isn't it amazing that it's water, right? That symbolizes cleansing and purification and washing, which is, is clearly what Christ did for us. We see these pictures in the Old Testament of, of, of Noah and the ark, right? The, the God's judgment on sin, but God's mercy and God's deliverance and rescue. Um, and, and because we're in the ark, so to speak, in the cross, we are rescued. And, and that's what we celebrate in communion. That when we come, I mean communion, in baptism, when, when we come to that moment and, uh, and we share in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, it's a moment where in the scriptures, as we'll see in just a moment, we are truly dying to ourselves so that we could live for him and for his glory and for his fame. Um, one of the ways I want to kind of um, help us picture this is like, man, when we realize that Jesus loved us enough to die for us and that he's the king of kings and lord of lords and he's the lover of my soul and he is worthy of every every minute and every hour of my life, and I want to I wanna give him my all because he gave me all, is that there, there, there needs to be a moment where we draw a line in the sand and we want the whole world. You ever been there? You want the whole world to know that I love him. I'm going to serve him with my life. He loved me. So, I mean, he died for me, so I'm going to live for him. And that's really what baptism is. But there's a, there's a profound mystery and miracle that happens in baptism too. We see that it's the first step of obedience. That it's when someone, when someone comes to understand and believe that Jesus loved him enough to die for him. That he saved the world through a, 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 a perfect sacrifice. And that, that in that moment that they believe and trust and repent of their sins. Like the, the, the God puts his powerful spirit within us. And then, and then we, we go forth in obedience to tell the world that I am his and he is mine. And, and the truth is, is that in that moment, um, it is a, it's a declaration of our heart. It is a proclamation to the world. It is a unification with the church. It is a way of saying to the church, I, I'm yours and you're mine. And we're in this together. And, and I'm committed to Christ and, and we're committed to Christ together. And, uh, and don't you love, don't you love that, 
the, the, just the way that the, the Lord is, um, has depicted and orchestrated communion, I mean, uh, baptism, because it's like water, you know, and all of its elements, washing, purification, um, cleansing, but like we go under the water as a, as a picture of us dying, right? But also being washed. And then we come out of the water, just like Jesus came out of the grave as a, as a testimony that I'm now walking, as Romans 6 says, in the newness of life. And it's not something that I did, but he did. And because he lived, so do I. And because he died, I don't have to, right? And, and that's, the, that's the statement that's made. Well, what I want us to do is I'm going to share a few things with you and then we're going to look at a few occasions in Acts um, as, a, as a picture of like the, the, the early church and how they treated baptism. So often baptism is referred to as an outward and visible sign of an inward transformation, right? It's, a, it's really a testimony of what's already transpired in our heart and in heaven on our behalf, right? The word baptism literally means to cover or plunge in water. The Greek word baptismo means immerse. And, you know, without that imagery, we kind of lose the whole, the, the whole picture of what death, burial, and resurrection looks like for us as living sacrifices. Because Jesus was willing to be our lamb that sacrificed himself and gave himself to the point of death, we now can model that or demonstrate that or illustrate that to the world, but, but we don't have to die because he died on our behalf. Isn't, is God good? Isn't Jesus awesome? Isn't it awesome what he did for us? How much he loves you? I mean, that's no greater love than this than a man lay down his life. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Baptism is a public testimony that you believe Jesus is the Christ and your personal Lord and Savior. In baptism, we publicly, publicly proclaim that we are unified with other believers around the world by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, you probably remember this moment, but um, there, there were festivals that, that the Jews celebrated, and they would come from all parts of the world to Jerusalem to celebrate these festivals. The, the, the you know, Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is that whole week. But there was also another festival called Pentecost. And that wasn't that wasn't that didn't begin with the church. That that was a that was a celebration that the uh, that the, the the Jewish nation had in place for for thousands of years. And yet, isn't it interesting that that the Holy Spirit shows up fifty days to the day after Christ's resurrection, Pentecost, fifty. Right? And, and, and on that day, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, now totally invigorated, illuminated, uh, ch challenged and changed by God's Spirit, preaches this glorious message. Um, in fact, people were like, these are unschooled, ordinary men. And they had taken note that they had been with Jesus. This is the conclusion. But this is what they said. They said, man, these, these people, I mean, it's 9 a.m. in the morning, by the way, you find that out. Um, they said they must be drunk. That's how, that's how big a party they were having, right? That's how big of a celebration and how much noise was going on and excitement. And, uh, and Peter comes out to correct their assumption. We're not drunk, okay? 
And if we are, we're drunk on the Spirit, right? Like, uh, do, not be filled, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit. This is what, it, what was going on in that moment. And then Peter goes on to say, look, you killed the author of life, but you did it in ignorance. And God actually planned it for your salvation, for your rescue. And then at the end of this, they, they all say this, what, what should we do? It said they were cut to the heart. And they, they asked, what should we do? Now keep in mind, there are people from all over, in fact, 15 known languages at, the, at that moment uh, are there, Jewish, of Jewish descent. And they're, they're cut to the heart and they said, what, what, what are we to do? And he says, repent and what? And be baptized, right? And for the forgiveness of sins. And, and so that's, and it says, and 3,000, listen to what it says here. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort, which means pleads with them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Well, that could be preached today, right? So those who received his word or message were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So what an amazing and exciting moment in the history of the church. And, uh, and all of that came through their understanding that Jesus came to rescue and to save them, and they were baptized. In Acts chapter 8, uh, we, there's a gentleman, uh, his name is Philip. Uh, he's having this amazing ministry in Samaria. God calls him to go to a road that leads down to Gaza. He just, it says he ran to that moment, to that opportunity. He meets an Ethiopian eunuch that is riding in a chariot and on his way back to Ethiopia after the festival. And, uh, and he w- runs up alongside and basically overhears him uh, reading Isaiah 53. And in that, if you've ever read it, it is a, this, I mean, over 700 years before the cross, it's this incredible depiction of what would happen on Calvary. And, uh, and he asks him, you know, who's the prophet talking about? Himself? Uh, he says, and he explains to him, no, it's Jesus, and this is what he did, and uh, explains what's happened in these recent days. And, uh, and this is what transpires here in Acts 36 uh, and 38. It says, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down, him and Philip, went down to the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. I, you know, there's another occasion here in Acts chapter 10. Peter ends up in Cornelius' house who is a, a, a Roman centurion, a, a Gentile, um, surprised that he's even there, sharing his witness about his experience with Jesus. And as he's just telling them his story, that's all he's doing. They've begged him to come and tell his story, his witness of his testimony of Jesus. And in the midst of his story, the Holy Spirit begins to descend upon the believers that are there, the, these Gentiles. And this is what is stated in 47, 48. Peter says, can anyone withhold water for baptism, the, uh, baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to remain for some days. And, and finally, in Acts chapter 16, uh, we see Paul and, uh, and Silas and Luke and, and, and this gang is all in Philippi and, um, and here they're, they're reaching out to the community uh, and they're ended up being thrown into jail. They're, they're worshiping, praising God at midnight. Their shackles are removed. And the, the jailer is just moved to belief after hearing and seeing their response 
to their adversity. And it says here at the latter part of this moment, it says, and speaking of the jailer, and he took them that same hour of the night. Now these were prisoners um, that, that had brought him the good news of Jesus Christ and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and his, whole, and, and his family. So I, I give you those, and there's, there's several others that we see through, through the, the narrative in Acts. But the point being is this. The moment they believe, they're baptized. Baptism seems to be the first step of obedience. It seems to be the immediate response um, because it's a way of basically drawing your li- a line in the sand, saying, saying, man, I'm no longer living for me. I'm living for him. Like it, you, you, you're, 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 you're lining yourself uh, you want everyone to know that th- this is what my life will stand for. This is what I'm living for from this day forward. So why should we be baptized? Well, I think there's really only one good answer to this. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nation, nations. And then it says this, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And we talk about this all the time because this is the mission of the church and, and our church, is to go and make disciples, knowing that Jesus is with us to the very end of the age, to teach them what, you know, what he's taught us. But right there in the middle of it, we're told that, that with his authority, he has given us this command to go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what it means is in the name, it means in his authority. Go and baptize, right? So, so I think the best answer is for, to the why is because, is because Jesus has, this, has commanded us, this is our mission, is to go and make disciples and to baptize them. Secondly, the second reason is to, to follow Jesus' example. We know Jesus was baptized, and he didn't have to be. In fact, we know John the Baptist struggled with it, right? He's like, I'm not even worthy to hold your sandals or tie them, or, you know, you should be baptizing me, right? And, uh, and Jesus says to fulfill all, in other words, I, I'm going to be an example in all things, and even this. And the third reason uh, we should be baptized is that it testifies to the world, and it unifies us with other believers. Now, I want to make a clear distinction here because if the early church got this mixed up and confused, I'm sure there's great opportunity for, uh, for the church at this stage. Um, John the Baptist baptized. Um, and so let's, let's just read this portion from Mark. The very opening of the Gospel of Mark says this. John appeared, speaking of John the Bapt- baptizer, Uh, appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And to all the country of Judea and Samaria where he was going out. And so if you you skip down to verse eight with me, this is what it goes on to say. He says, "I I have baptized you with water, but he, speaking of Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So, there's a clear distinction. John the Baptist had the purpose of preparing the way for Jesus. Now, let me be very practical about that. It was preparing hearts. And hearts are prepared for the ministry and message of Jesus. And this is not any different today. Hearts are prepared for the ministry and message of like the word of God through repentance. It's, it's through a humble heart that says, I haven't done it your way, God, but I want to. 
and I'm sorry. And I want to turn from doing things that are not pleasing to you to things that are pleasing to you. So I'm, I, I turn from this. I repent of this. And I, I endeavor, I, I purpose to do everything that is pleasing to you. Does that make sense? That It's not just turning from, it's turning to. Right? It's not just turning from our sin, it's turning to him and his heart and his will and his word and his way. That's what repentance is. And, and it's a sorrowful move that is filled with, the Bible says, refreshment and healing, right? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I, I often say to the church, we're not perfect, but we're forgiven, right? That's not a license to sin. In fact, if anything, it's a reason not to, right? Because we wouldn't want to betray that kind of lavish love. It's a motivation to live a holy life. It drives us to please and honor him because of what he's done for us. That's what love, li- that's how love lives in our hearts. But the distinction is this. John, his baptism, John the Baptist's baptism was to prepare hearts for the ministry of Jesus. And if you, if, you, if, you, if you look at those that we know were touched and impacted by John's ministry, you can see those were people that truly were impacted by Jesus' ministry. John refers to himself as the friend of the bridegroom. You know, and, and, and now that the bridegroom's here, you know, my joy is, my, my purpose filled, is fulfilled. He said, I must decrease that he, Jesus, might increase. And so John's ministry was fulfilled when Jesus hit the scene because he was, try, he was making every valley. The, the whole point of that prophecy about John and Malachi was it wasn't talking about hills and valleys. It was talking about people's hearts and conditions of their hearts. Is that he was, he was making the path straight of a heart to see and receive the ministry, love, salvation of Christ. And so later on in Acts chapter 19, we see that there are some people that are confused and, um, and they've yet to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They've yet to be, to, to, to be baptized in Jesus because they just thought that John's baptism was, that was, that was the deal and, and, and they're off and running and, and they were missing out on the power of God and the demonstration of Christ. And so Paul corrects that. Um, in verse four of chapter 19, it says, and Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So another question, what does baptism point to? What what, what does baptism point to? Well, obviously to Jesus, but to what aspect does baptism clearly point to? In Mark chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus said to them, do, you do not know what you are asking. They had asked to sit at Jesus' right and left. This is John and James. They were looking for positions of power and influence, missing the, the, the point altogether. And, uh, and Jesus corrects them. He says, are you able to drink the cup, talking about the cup of God's wrath, um, that wasn't due him but us, um, that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about the cross, his death and burial and his resurrection. And he refers to it as his baptism. 
And, uh, and as we get into a passage here in just a moment, we're going to realize that he's inviting us into his baptism so that we don't have to experience death, but life as a byproduct, right? And then we can be living sacrifices. He was the one that was willing to be the animal, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world so that we could be living sacrifices, walk in the newness of life. So Paul, in retrospect, often talks about his baptism. And one of the most powerful places that he does that is in Galatians 2.20. We, 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 we talk about this verse often, and we should. Paul says this in Galatians 2.20. He says, now, keep in, keep in, like, be thoughtful about the tense that he uses here. He says, I have been, past tense, crucified with Christ. Then he goes on to say, and it is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the... F- Wait a second, he's been crucified with Christ and what he's living? Like, I mean, that can seem kind of confusing. What's he referring to when he says, I have been crucified with Christ? He's referring to his baptism. Okay, he's, he's referring back to that moment where he died to himself. When we have a really good understanding of baptism, we understand that baptism is the day that I erect a tombstone to me. I, it's the day I, I decide because God has chosen me before I chose him, loved me before I loved him. Like it's the day that I die to me so I can live for him that it's no longer about my sin and my selfishness, my pride, my past. It's, it's from this day forward, I live not for my glory or fame, but for his. And that's why, and we'll see it again, over and over again in all of Paul's epistles, he refers to these, you know, I have died. Really? <laughs> that's that, you know, but he's referring to his baptism and the day that he, he gave himself up so he could fully embrace the life that Christ has purchased for him. Right? He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, and I love this, who loved, this is one of the few times you hear him say, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's so personal to Paul. In Romans 12, 1, to help us understand like the connotation here of what this means, uh, Paul says, after talking about the, the mercy of God, the sacrifice of Christ, the necessity of Christ's offering, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, which he's just unpacked, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And so now on the other side of baptism, the challenge is is that we would live sacrificially, like our lives would be an offering to God, an offering of thanksgiving, an offering of praise, an offering of sacrifice, right? And we would, we, we would live for the, for the glory of God. And, and God says, you want to love me? Love, love them. Right? He says, when you've done it unto the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it unto me. 
Like he, he takes it again, it's his own account when we love one another deeply and, and directly. And so Paul compares Christian baptism to burial. In order to be buried, a, first, a, per, a person must first die. So the question we have to ask this morning is, what must we die to before we can be baptized? Our sin, our self. I mean, truly, baptism is on the other side of surrender, right? We've already surrendered. We've uh, probably experienced the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and now it's just an outward invisible sign of what's already manifested and, and happened in our hearts and in heaven, right? So it's a demonstration of, of a current reality in our life. And I, that's why I tell folks, man, when you come out, out of that water, well, this is what I'll say. I'll say, when you're under that water, stay, you know, stay as, if you need to hold your nose, whatever. But like, stay as long as you can. And just in that moment, just, just envision, it's all being washed away. Like it's all, be, you're being cleansed and purified to the degree you can't even understand yet. So that when you come up out of that water, man, it should be a, it should be an expression of, woo, right? I mean, like, man, wow, new creation. It is the ultimate start over. Like, no, it's not even that. It's like dead alive picture of like what, what, is, what has happened through the gospel in your life. But what must we die to before we are baptized? Sin, selfishness, pride, my past, me, right? Because that's really what's killing us, right? And he wants to give us life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive in here to Romans 6. And uh, we're going to look at the first 12 verses. So um, I, it's going to be on the screen, but please open your Bibles to Romans 6. Get your highlighter out. This is, this is the passage we're really digging at this morning. And I, but I had to do that backdrop because it will make this passage make so much sense for you. It'll light up um, now that we've had that, that, that conversation. So this is what Paul says at the beginning of, of Romans 6. And this, is, this, this passage is about baptism. He says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Here's the, the, the question, he, the rhetorical question he's addressing. is look, if God's going to forgive me, past, present, and future, like I, that, that all my sins, not some, I'm, I've been completely uh, freed from my sin debt, then why not sin to show off God's grace? Okay, now you would say, that's ridiculous, that's hurtful, that's wrong, right? But yet, I mean, I, I had a, a Catholic neighbor one time said to me, it's okay, you could do that or this or whatever, because uh, you can just ask forgiveness tomorrow, you know? But what is, I mean, I, I say that spits on the cross, that spits on the heart of, of what God intended to do, like, that's, I mean, he loved us enough to die for us and set us free. For it, we, should, we should actually want to honor him and please him versus just continue in our sin. So what Paul goes on to say in verse two is, by no means, some translations say, God forbid, right? And this is what he goes on to say. How can we, now listen, listen to what it says here. How can we who died to sin, what's he talking about? Died to sin? How can we, He's talking to the, to the church who died to sin, live in it any longer or still live in it. And then he clarifies, verse three, do you not know 
that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death. Have you ever thought of baptism that way? We were, through baptism, we were baptized into his death, right? So that his death became our death and so that we could live and move beyond the, the, the judgment on death, which, I mean, on sin, which is death, to life. And so we are, from, from heaven's perspective, Paul's saying, don't you know that, 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 that you already died? Right? In your baptism, you were unified with Christ in his death. For we were buried, therefore, with him in, by baptism into death. In order, now here it is, the so that. Like in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, you too might walk. He's not even talking about resurrection yet. He says, you too might walk, live in the newness of life. Baptism, I, I believe there's a miracle that God does as we obey him in anything. But I believe that there's a miracle that God does as we, as we display the death, burial, and resurrection in such a beautiful picture to the world declaring that I, I'm dead to me. I'm, I, I'm, I mean, how many times does he say it? But we've died but we've died. Verse five. For if we've been united, again, talking about baptism, with him in a death like his, we shall certainly, now we're talking future tense, now we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know, that is, firmly believe that our old self was crucified with him, talking about baptism, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For, no, for, for one who has, who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him, and we have died with him. So we will, you know, I love what he says in John 11. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, though you die, yet you shall live. But if you live until I get come back, you will never die, right? Like, the, the, the truth is, we move from life to life. To, 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 in 2 Corinthians 5, if you're taking notes, write this down. And just read verses 1 to 10 today. But it talks about like we, we move into a further state of life. Like, like we, we, we go from life to life to, to more life um, is, is how it's described. Now if we have died, verse 10, verse 10. For the death he died, he died to sin. Don't miss this. Once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11. So, here's, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Right? So, so 
we're challenged now to use the members of our body, right? Our tongues, probably the most, the, the most destructive instrument in our members, right? Our hands, our feet. Now, instead of using them for, for destruct, destructive and selfish means, we use them for God's glory. Our hands, our feet, our hearts, our minds, our mouths for the glory of God. And, and what, is, what happens when we trust Christ is the, 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 the uh, we're, we're no longer slaves of sin. We're, we're no longer forced into sinful choices and behaviors. We have a choice. We have the power. If we, if we submit to God, we have th- this whole conversation that Paul's writing in this letter continues into chapter say, seven saying, Though I want to do good, you know, talking about the, the struggle, the, the, the wrestling with the flesh. And then it goes into chapter 8 and it says, talks about us um, submitting to the Spirit and, and being controlled by, by God, like truly making Jesus Lord where he gets to decide, right? And, uh, and choosing to honor him in every, ch- every thought and intention and action that we take. Um, man, it is, it's... It's, it's a beautiful thing. So let me unpack some things and I'm going to wrap up here. Um, in the church of Paul's day, immersion was the usual form of baptism. That is, new Christians were completely buried in water. They understood this form of baptism to symbolize the death, burial of the old way of life. Coming up out of the water symbolized resurrection to new life with Christ. And, you know, we have a powerful motive to resist sin when we understand that we have died Right? That, that, this, that this, this nature that beckons us to destructive ways is, is no longer alive. Right? We, we only give it credibility when we choose our desires rather than what the Spirit would want to do. We can consciously choose to treat the desires and temptations of the old nature as if they were dead. Then we can continue to enjoy the wonderful new life with Jesus. Let me pause here for a moment and say this. Like, you know, when you're baptized, you will never sin again, right? Ever. That's just not the case. Like, we're still wrapped in skin and our flesh still, you know, has this, 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 this way of beckoning us into in things that we shouldn't do. But, man, the challenge is, the, the good news is, is we've been liberated from its power. That's what we're told. It no longer has reign and rule over me. I, I, can, choose to, I can choose him in the, in, in the decisions that I face every single day. I, I have power for, for, the, for the new life. I can honor him. And, and here's, I'll just give you a little thing. I, I believe this, like that we just have to intend, like we just have to want to do what he wants us to do and then the power comes, right? We just gotta, we, we, I, mean, I think of Luke 5 and he says, you know, because you said so, Lord, we will go. And it says, when they had gone, both boats, so f- like the, you know, the blessing that God wants to give us through obedience, which is more of him, really, um, comes through us just choosing to wanna do him rather than us. And realizing, as Paul complete, constantly, you read his letters, he refers back to his baptism all the time about, you know, I, I was buried or I'm dead. Or like like he's, he's talking about this moment where he forfeited himself. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, you know, sometimes we think of that like dying to me, like, 
Like, he, with joy and celebration, like, this is, guys, you'll never regret that exchange, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, you're exchanging death for life, right? This is, this is, this is such a glorious gift that we are giving. You know, I, I, the Israelites passing through the Red Sea is a picture of baptism for us as well. You know, what were the Israelites fleeing from? Right? Slavery, right? And, and what, what has God done for us in Christ? He has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't go back to slavery. That's what we're told, right? And so what do they do? They, they ended up kind of heading out of Egypt, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a very quick way, plundering Egypt, you know, taking things with them. And, but they end up at the precipice of the Red Sea and then they're cornered by the most powerful military on the planet. They're actually cornered by their enemy. And, uh, and God makes a way where there is no way, right? And he opens up the waters and they pass through the waters. You know, we're told in the scriptures, this is a picture of baptism because when they get to the other side, right? They are blown away by the, the victory that God has given them because the enemy is then quenched, right? This, at least this enemy is quenched, right? And, and, and defeated. And, and it's a kind of a picture of the, the power of the devil has been, has been thwarted and baptism is a picture of that for us. In the same way the Israelites were in slavery to the Egyptians, we were enslaved to sin. The Israelites were freed from their bondage by passing through the Red Sea. Baptism depicts the freedom from sin that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. Listen, listen to what Colossians says in, in chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. It says, in him, speaking of Jesus, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, but, excuse me, by putting off the body of flesh, which, which what he's saying here, which is consisting of our uh, being freed from the power of the sinful self by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. There it is again, right? In which you were also raised with him through faith in the, power, in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all, us all, of our trespasses. So this is the powerful work that God has done for us in Christ. You know, one of the things we see in this passage is that circumcision is related to baptism. Therefore, some see baptism as the New Testament sign of the covenant, identifying the person with the covenant community. Baptism parallels the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and it also portrays the death and burial of our sinful old ways of life, followed by resurrection to new life in Christ. And there we have it. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27, it says this, For in, Jesus Christ, excuse me, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many, as, uh, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That is this mysterious element that, that, that we actually partake in the victory of the cross and the resurrection. Um, Colossians 1, excuse me, 3, 1 through 4 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, talking about the newness of life, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated 
seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your minds on things uh, that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For, see it here again, guys? For you have what? It's talking about baptism, right? And your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So in baptism, we identify with Jesus, who separates us from the lost and gives us new life. It is not a ceremony that saves us, but faith in Christ's death and resurrection. Baptism is the demonstration of the transformation that has happened in our hearts. And I, I came across this verse and I said, man, that's the, that's the best way to end any discussion on baptism. In Acts 22, verse 16, it says, and now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. <laughs> because, I, you know, what I hope this morning is that this has given you a, a more comprehensive understanding of baptism. Um, I also hope for those, how many of you in here are baptized? Baptized into Christ, there you are. Okay, so let me just say this to you. Like, isn't this a great reminder? Like, isn't it a fantastic reminder that, man, that I, I'm dead to my past, to my sins, to my trespass, to me, so that I can, and the only thing that's holding us back from, from living for him in, in all aspects of life is, is often, right, right. And so, you know, let's join Paul in saying, you know, I died because Christ has truly given us every, every reason to live for him uh, in demonstrating his love for us, in dying on our behalf. He has invited us into what he has done on the cross to, to experience it firsthand. And baptism is just a picture of the reality of what Christ has done for you and I. So if... Um, if two weeks from now you would like to be baptized, maybe you didn't make it to the, to the baptism class this morning, but maybe you, like me, were baptized as an infant, which honestly, biblically, makes no sense uh, because, you know, it's, it's a believer's baptism, right? It's a, it's a baptism where we make profession of faith, where we turn and repent of our sins. Um, but if, uh, you know, I, I know later on in my life when I understood this, I was baptized and, uh, and it was a glorious moment. It was a, a moment where, um, you know, I wanted everybody to know, you know, whose I was um, because I, I, I love him so deeply and, and I know you do too. So let's close in prayer. And uh, if you're interested in baptism, uh, please fill out a connection card or do it digitally online. Drop it in our giving box. Let us know because we would love to celebrate that with you uh, in a couple of weeks on Easter Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice and that you didn't do that for yourself, but for us. And then you invited us to participate in that, that we might be the recipients of what you accomplished, that you took our sin and gave us your resume, gave us your righteousness. And, uh, and that's exactly what you want us to experience and you want us to demonstrate through baptism. Help that to be the, um, the pursuit of our heart and for us that have been baptized, oh, help us to be reminded that it's not about us, but it's all, it's all about you. And we love you in Jesus' name, amen.
thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.